Hallelujah. Welcome, everyone, to Heritage of Faith Church. It's my great privilege to minister tonight. And uh, I was asked to minister from Brother Jerry's Minister's Manual, Lesson 15, a very powerful lesson. It's called The Controlled Life. Now, you know, a lot of people don't like that word control. And they have the attitude, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. But do you know control? (laughs) I don't know. Somebody may be in here this evening who has actually said that. (laughs) But control is a spiritual word. But we want to understand it through the spirit and not as the world would uh, operate under a spirit of control from the wicked one. So the name of the lesson is the control life, spirit, soul, and body. Now let me get my iPad set up. And I am trying to learn to use an iPad, and I'll tell you why. The printer I have will not print the size that I want it to print. So it prints small print. It doesn't matter if I say print 18 or 20. It won't do it. So here I am. And uh, the key scripture that we have for this evening, this is... Such a wonderful scripture. I I pray the word will be so very clear tonight. Because what I'm going to be sharing, there are keys for spiritual growth. Answers to problems. uh, Keys to making progress in the realm of the spirit. That if you don't practice this, it's very easy to be frustrated and unhappy. Although you are a saved, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian, do you know it is possible to have everything that God offers and still be frustrated and defeated? How many of you know what I'm talking about? So uh, there are some keys that I'm going to be sharing with you that I pray will be such a blessing. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, this is ye, O King James Version. Now we exhort you, brethren, we urge you, warn them that are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Hallelujah. So the phrase that we're going to center on is warn them that are unruly. Now, I know most of the time we may think of unruliness is being like uh, a gang or a mob that is rioting or misbehaving or something like that. But the Bible actually says, warn them that are unruly. And may I say, every one of us, even if we've never been part of a gang or a mob, have had unruliness. Maybe in our thoughts, unruly thoughts, or maybe in our emotions. How many of you have ever had a riot going on in your emotions? I mean, you, you could just flip out. You, you, your emotions were so out of control. <clears throat> you can have uh, unruliness in your words and unruly 
mouth is what we used to call a smart aleck. Now that's Texas talk. If you're not from Texas, a smart aleck, you can have unruliness in your conduct and your behavior. It says, warn them that are unruly. I'll tell you one of the ways unruliness can come in is when you're passive, inactive with your faith. Because the enemy will bring opportunities for us to be unruly in uh, mind or in thought or in our emotions. Many times in our Christian walk, we will have an opportunity to give somebody a piece of our mind. You understand what I'm talking about. Or throw a hissy fit. That's a form of unruliness or are just go on the rampage with our family or something like that. And, but it's, it's, it's often in in the life of a Christian, the result of spiritual passivity and you're not being active with the word and with the Holy spirit. We can have a form of Christianity, and we definitely are Christians, but the Holy Spirit and the Word are not actively dealing with our character. And when we're passive, our character is not being um, disciplined by the Spirit. Listen to the Amplified, First Thessalonians 5.14 in the Amplified. It says, warn those who are out of line, undisciplined, and disorderly. So a lack of discipline can bring unruliness into some area of our lives. It may be with spending too much money. You know, it may be in a husband and wife not getting along. It, it can be a lack of discipline. And I'm going to tell you, it takes the word and the Holy Spirit to be disciplined. How many of you would agree with that? Unruly means to be unsubmissive, ungovernable, turbulent, lawless, disobedient, stubborn, and disorderly. You know, those are not pretty words, are they? None of us want to be unsubmissive, ungovernable. Nobody can tell you anything. That's kind of like having a know-it-all spirit, ungovernable. I used to be a high school English teacher. And I had some big O'Henry boys who would come in pretty ungovernable. We worked through that. Hallelujah. Unruly means turbulent. That means every day you're in chaos. Every day you're mad. Every day you get upset. Every day you get in a fight with somebody. Every day there's turmoil in your heart, turbulent. Have you ever known a turbulent person? They're very difficult to be around. Lawless, disobedient, stubborn, and disorderly. Warnings are critical regarding these things. Unruly, here's why. As as I meditated, the word that stuck, two or three words stood out to me. This word unruliness, I had never studied before. It was an interesting study. And as I listened on unruliness, I began to have thoughts come to me unruliness will affect your love walk. See, we're to walk in love. If you're unruly, 
you're not walking in love consistently. Unruliness will affect your fruit bearing. If you're unruly, undisciplined, unsubmitted, it will affect your fruit bearing. Unruliness will ultimately affect your rewards in the kingdom of God. Unruliness will affect your peace. Goodness gracious. So we don't want to live in the turmoil that unruliness produces. So this lesson is about maturing in God, growing up in God, and warning, issuing a warning about being unruly in any area of your life. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 15 in the Amplified, this is the next verse after that, says, See that no one repays another evil for evil, but always seek that which is good for one another and for all people. So our ultimate goal is to come out of unruliness, which if, if you're unruly as a wife, if you're an angry wife, you get mad every day, you bark at your husband every day, you scream at the kids, uh, you're producing turmoil in your household. Uh, this is something you want to repent of and ask the Lord to help me come out of unruliness in my character. If you're a husband, a grouchy old man that comes home and you grouch at your wife and you grouch at the kids or, or you grouch at the neighbors, whatever. See, you want to come out of that because the next scripture says we're always to seek that which is good and beneficial for all people. So the Lord gives us a strong warning about unruliness. And unruliness has no part in the character of a mature believer. Somebody say amen. You've been very quiet on me. It has no part in the character of a mature believer. So unruliness is an undisciplined part of a Christian's character that is not producing good fruit. And there will be consequences. Do you know unruliness, for example, in parents can produce the same unruliness in our children? When we're unruly as parents, what are we, do we doing? We're sowing seeds of unruliness in the next generation. How detrimental that is uh, if that is happening. So this is about maturing as a believer. Paul warned the Christians in that day. Same warning goes for this day. Do not be unruly. So I've, I've examined my life. Lord, is there any area where I'm unruly? I just ask the Lord, just show me if I've, if I'm got a door. I, I will say by my age, we've dealt with a lot. Okay. If you've been a Christian for decades and decades, if you have unruly thoughts, the word and the Holy Spirit have brought control to your thought life. That's what we want to talk about today. That when you grow up spiritually, you learn to repent. When the Lord teaches you an area of the word that you are lacking maturity in, you learn to repent and you learn to, to ask, Holy Spirit, change me in this area. Have you ever prayed prayers for change? Am I the only one who has ever prayed a prayer? Lord, change me in this area. 
this is not producing good fruit. This attitude, this fear, this response is not producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. I repent of it. I ask you to change me. I ask you to deal with me. I ask you to show me how to walk in the spirit in this area of my life. And what happens is the Lord, through the word and the work of the Holy Spirit, begins to build divine infrastructure. That's what I call it. Divine infrastructure in our lives And strengthen us to the point that we no longer have unruly responses in our lives. The Holy Spirit has dealt with that. I'll tell you, you cannot go free of that without yielding submissively, willingly to the Holy Spirit. And the cry of your heart is, Lord, change me in this way. Hallelujah. I've got stories I could tell, but I don't have time tonight. So we have to take responsibility for how we uh, live. In other words, you can't say things like, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the trouble I've seen. You know, we can make excuses for our behavior. I've got too much on me, Uh, all kinds of excuses for unruliness, indiscipline, turbulence in our lives. But all of it means we have areas that have not been dealt with by the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 3 in the Amplified Bible. You've heard me teach on consecration before, but this scripture says, for this is the will of God, that you should be consecrated, separated, and set apart for pure and holy living. So we are set apart for purity. Our lives are to be set apart for holiness. So we need to be easily convicted when the Holy Spirit wants to show us an area of our lives that is indisciplined or even uh, turbulent. As we consecrate ourselves to God, this is part of sanctification. Remember, there are two parts of sanctification. One happens when we're born again. We're sanctified by the blood of Jesus, translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God spiritually. The second part of sanctification is our walk on this earth. And that is called consecration. When we yield to God and allow him to deliver us, in some area of our life that is unruly, indisciplined, and still under the sway of darkness. You're born again for sure, but being consecrated. So 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, you should be consecrated. That is separated, let me say this, from unruliness separated from the things that do not line up with the will of God. And you're set apart for purity and holy living. We live in a very impure world. I grew up very innocently in Texarkana, Texas. We were so innocent compared to what I see now. In America, it's just absolutely, you know, a bit (laughs) mind-boggling to see the things that have come forth. What is the reason for it? Why are we seeing in, you know, this generation the things that we're seeing? Well, people 
Do you see unruliness in this generation? Yes. Well, why is that? It's a lack of consecration. Even in the church, a lack of being set apart to God. And so many Christian Christians remain childish because they don't know one thing about pure and holy living. But as we consecrate our lives to God, transformation begins to take place. Our inner man changes and we no longer have an attitude I've noticed since I've been back living here. I've heard people say, well, that's just who I am. That's a phrase that has evidently been introduced into American thinking since I've been gone. That's just who I am, or that's just who he is. As if it's a foregone conclusion, you'll be that way the rest of your life. But we're to be set apart uh, to become like Jesus in our walk. So God is holy. And he wants us to be holy. In fact, 1 Peter 1.16, this is the Young's literal translation, says, Because it hath been written, become ye holy. This is literal. Become ye holy because I am holy. I chose that translation because it says become. And it means to start to become something different. So we're told, become holy. God speaking to us, because I am holy. Become something different than what you are today. Just put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, I want to become something different than I am today. Yes, if, if if that should be the great desire of our heart, that we are continually being consecrated and set apart unto the holiness of God. And this will take the word and the Holy Spirit. So we, to come out of unruliness, we have to ask the Holy Spirit Teach me where I'm out of line. Teach me where, show me where I have areas of my life that are not being conformed to the image of Christ. Because we can be blind to our own weaknesses. We can have the attitude, everything's fine, (laughs) I'm wonderful, (laughs) or something like that. And actually be blind to areas of immaturity and lack of consecration in our lives. So we need to begin to ask God, Lord, show me a new way of thinking. Show me, Lord, a new way of seeing. If you think church is the same old, same old, and you're bored with church, you're bored with your Christian life, just begin to ask God, Lord, show me a new thing. Show me a new way of thinking. Show me a new way of believing an area that I need to believe you in, that I've been passive about. I've made excuses about. I've said, well, that's just the way I am. Hallelujah. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on that. But we begin to ask God for a new way of seeing, a new way of thinking, a new way of speaking, a new way of behaving. We're not passive about who we are. We've been told, be ye Holy, become holy because I am holy. Somebody say amen. 
and we're, we're just going to stay the same unless we come out of passivity and begin to pray. Galatians 5.25 in the Amplified Bible says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Let me ask this question tonight. Are there any areas of your life that you might just suspect are not controlled by the Holy Spirit? Maybe there's just a small suspicion there that there's still a little bit of work to be done in your life. Hallelujah. Just a prayer I've prayed I don't know how many times comes out of the Amplified Bible, actually. Lord, may I be full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Would you say that with me, please? Lord, may I be full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. That was a little uh, rough. Let's do that again. We'll say it together. Lord, may I be full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so we begin to stir ourselves up. And come out of passivity and realize we've still got a fur piece to go. Hallelujah. In our Christian walk, in the development of our Christian character, we, we have moments where we're so thankful for where the Lord has brought us to. But we don't park there. We still have further to go in our walk in the Holy Spirit. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm hungry for more of you. I want to go forward in my life full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit is willing to be our helper. He's willing when we get out of line, if we will listen to him, he's willing to transform us. Hallelujah. Romans 12 and verse 2 in the Amplified Bible says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is the will of God. In other words, church, so that I personally and you personally can experience the will of God. Think of areas you're not yet experiencing the will of God. God says, be transformed and you will experience the will of God. So that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So what is the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do. What kind of transformation does he want to take place in our hearts? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. See, we're coming out of all unruliness, all indiscipline, all the chaos and turmoil. We're not called to that. We are called, in Galatians 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, this is what you're called to. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. 
Against such, there is no law. I love it in the Amplified Bible. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, and let me say, the result of our yieldedness to his presence within us. Our awareness of his presence within us is love. Unselfish concern for others. Joy. Inner peace. Patience. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. That's patience. It's not just waiting. It's how we act. While we're waiting, I think all of us can say amen, Lord, to that. How we act while we're waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So as a result of the Holy Spirit's presence within me, the love of God becomes primary. This is what we need to develop in to come out of unruliness. We develop, the Holy Spirit develops within us, and we yield to the love of God. Do you know the Holy Spirit and the development of the love of God is more important than how I feel about a certain situation? What I want God to do, what I'm experiencing At this certain point in my life, nothing is more important than God's development of his love within me. This becomes our primary concern. This becomes the motive of everything that we do. This becomes the motive behind every action we take and every word that we speak. The love of God becomes primary. This is the work the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Develop us in his love. God is love. And the Holy Spirit is within us to bring us out of all unruliness, all chaos, all turbulence, all the negatives that this world has to offer and to develop within us The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And against the love of God, there is no law, no act, no weapon formed against us that can defeat the one in whom the love of God is formed. May I hear an amen. Hallelujah. So, I love Galatians 5.22. 2 through 23. Listen to it in the um, Passion Translation. The Passion Translation. It says, but the fruit, now this is what the Holy Spirit wants. Fruit is what the Holy Spirit produces. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. But the fruit, now let, let this go deeply within you. The fruit that God wants to produce in us is divine love. With all its varied expressions. Well, what are those expressions? Joy that overflows. Did you know joy comes from love? It's part of the fruit of love. Peace that subdues. See, the fruit of peace subdues uh, turmoil. It subdues unruliness. However, that unruliness is expressing itself. Peace subdues it. Uh, The Fruit of divine love is patience. What is patience? Long-suffering. We suffer long. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. 
What is kindness in action? Gentleness. A life full of virtue. That is goodness. Um, Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart. Strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. The fruit of the Spirit is meant to be limitless. It makes the one in whose heart is allowing and believing for the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts and form that infrastructure of love. It makes that person limitless in their faith. Because what what does the scripture say? Faith worketh by love. This will begin to remove the limits from our faith. How many of you have ever felt like there was a limitation on your faith? Yes, I I know all of us have. We've come to uh, a mountain that we just couldn't seem to get beyond that mountain. How many of you have ever experienced that? In fact, that mountain still may be uh, an issue in your life to this day. And so when we allow the Holy Spirit, to transform our hearts. I mean, we cooperate with him. We ask for this. We believe for this. We yearn for this. We spend time listening to the Lord regarding our love walk, attitudes that are hindering our faith, and so on and so forth. But I love this. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. This is your limitless supply. And when the love of God is not formed, when it's not developed, we run into one barrier after another, one limitation after another. Can you say amen? It is so worth it that we humble ourselves and we cry out against all the chaos. And some of it may be in us, but we cry out against it. We lay it before the Lord and we urgently entreat him, Lord, form your love within the very core of my being. I ask that you form your love within me. Somebody say, amen. So our character begins to change. Our faith begins to change. And God is working within us both to will and to do his good pleasure. Hallelujah. (laughs) So we come out of chaos and the Lord begins to develop self-control within us. (coughs) Excuse me. I've not ministered in a while. It's a little, (coughs) it's a little rough there. How is self-control defined? So one of the fruit of the spirit that is so essential is temperance or self-control. Self-control is self-restraint. It is willpower where your will is submissive to God's word and his spirit. Do you know self-control is dignity? You carry your body with dignity. You honor. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you honor 
what God did to bring you forth, what he's done for you so far, and where he's taking you in the future. This is one thing that I also have noticed. I don't say this critically. I love America passionately, but I'm, I'm going to do a little comparison here. But in Africa, I mean, people can be so poor, and I have looked at how they carry themselves with dignity. It really, living there for decades, really marked my life, the dignity with which they carried themselves. And, and church, we need a bit more dignity in the United States. I, I just must say that. Self-control. Now, this is one of the fruit of the Spirit that deals with unruliness. This is one of the fruit, this is part of the fruit of love, is self-control. It's self-restraint, willpower, dignity, discretion, discretion. You weigh your words, you measure your words, you don't talk trash. God, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You have a an honor for words that puts dignity in your mouth. Self-control is discretion. It's poise. Restraint. Discipline. And stability. Do you know without self-control, you do not have stability. Anything could happen in your life. Loads of things will be going on in your life that produce unruliness. Can you say amen? Self-control is the ability to say no to base fleshly desires. You may be tempted, but you say no. Your flesh may want to, but you tell your flesh no. It's the ability to control your thoughts, control your words, and control your actions. Self-control means you're no longer a slave to sin. Self-control means you can say no to sin. It does not control you. But through the Holy Spirit, you practice temperance or self-control. I tell you, this is essential to bring peace into our lives. This is essential. Self-control sets us free to love, to love others, and it sets us free to obey God. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25 in the Tree of Life Bible says, Every competitor exercises self-control in all respects. You know, you'll never go to the Olympics without self-control. It just depends on how bad you want to go to the Olympics. You know, if you want to go to the Olympics, you're going to do what other people don't do. You're not going to eat the way other people eat. You're going to exercise when other people are vegging on the couch watching TV. Not you. You've got a goal and it's going to take self-control to achieve that goal. Can you say amen? So every competitor exercises self-control in all respects. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown. Hallelujah. Self-control is one is chief in coming out of unruliness. We exercise self-control by submitting our will to the Holy Spirit. 
And we often pray, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. So self-control means you are not personally strong-willed in the sense that everything your flesh desires, you're determined to get it. Every fad that comes along, you participate in it. Every whim you have, you work hard to see that every whim is fulfilled. But self-control means our will I'm talking about in the biblical sense, means our will is submitted to the Holy Spirit. Church, he will give us heavenly self-control. This is not something you have to grit your teeth to, to have, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit that when you used to succumb to something, you used to succumb to depression, You used to go to very low places of inferiority and insecurity and and be overwhelmed in your life. Well, God begins to work in our hearts. And through the fruit of self-control, we don't go there anymore. Our will is submitted to God's heavenly control. Titus 2 and verse 12 in the NIV says, self-control teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That was the NIV. Philippians 2, 15 through 16 in the Amplified Bible says, so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation among whom you are seen as bright lights. Beacon shining out clearly in the world of darkness, holding out and offering to everyone the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to rejoice greatly because I did not run my race in vain nor labor without result. To run your race, just like for an Olympian, To run the 400-yard dash, it is going to take self-control, practicing self-control on a daily basis for us to run our race and receive our heavenly reward. Church, it is going to take self-control. This is the development of an aspect of the love of God in our hearts that is absolutely necessary if we're going to come out of all unruliness. Hallelujah. What are some steps that we can take to live in God's love and the fruit of self-control? Number one is um, so important. It's actually the beginning of everything we believe for by faith. Number one is the beginning of every work of God, and that is be thankful. Well, Pastor Carla, I'm praying because I don't really have much to be thankful for. I'm hearing what you're saying, and uh, I've got lots of areas of my life that are chaotic and turbulent and unruly. So why in the world would I begin with thanksgiving? Well, thankfulness has to do with you walking in the grace of God. Thankfulness has to do with your experiencing the grace of God in your life personally. I'm talking about experiencing it. 
not just hearing about the grace of God, but actually experiencing it, walking in it on a daily basis. Number one key is be thankful. Be thankful. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 in the NIV says, Give thanks in all circumstances. This is imperative. That means it's a command. You give thanks in all circumstances. All means all. So we start out our prayers. We start out our day. We start out our petitions. We start out our cries to heaven, whatever it may be. Our repentance, whatever it is. Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you know me and love me anyway. I'm so thankful. For the word of God that has the power to change the desires of my heart. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit who lives within me. So if you can't think of anything else to be thankful for, start with God. Start with God because you're going to need his grace to go forward. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. This is the NIV. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And let's say this together. Be thankful. Verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell richly among you. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, here are two things, church, that are essential for us to practice continually throughout the day. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So everything we do, do we do it in the name of Jesus? That'll take care of a lot of unruliness right there. If you can't do that or say that, In the name of Jesus, then don't do it and don't say it. May I hear an amen. And if you can't express thanksgiving, see, it says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. The giving of thanks is primary for us to experience the grace of God. Somebody say amen. So number one. As I uh, begin to take steps to come out of unruliness, I'm coming out of uh, maybe some type of misbehavior, unsubmitted area, maybe something you've struggled with. I'm going to start with thankfulness because I'm coming to the one who can and will change me. He can and will transform my heart. He can and will transform my life as long as I walk with him. I I do it in the name of Jesus. I express gratitude and thanksgiving. I'm going to see my life transformed. That's step number one. Number two is give your body due dignity. I mean, when you fly off the handle, you're screaming at your husband, you're screaming at the kids, they've all scattered and gone 
outside and they're hiding in their rooms and so on and so forth. Of course, I know no one in here has ever done that, but I'm just giving an example that somewhere other than in this church, someone has done that. But um, give your body due dignity. Carry your body with dignity and honor. You've been created by God for a heavenly purpose. And so we don't act like the world. We don't walk like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't engage as the world engages. I don't know. There's a lot of people on the earth in this generation that have no dignity with how they dress, how they talk, how they interact. Uh, I find it stunning where all that comes from. I know it comes from the realm of darkness. But church, to come out of unruliness and walk with God, you have to honor your body as the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is essential. First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 in the Amplified Bible says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you've received as a gift from God? And that you are not your own property. You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify God in your body. Hallelujah. And so uh, as as the love of God, temperance and self-control is formed within us, we begin to glorify God in our bodies, in our home, in the workplace, in friendships, relationships of all kinds, we honor God in our body. That means we're not going to do everything that everybody else does. Number three, transforming from unruliness. We're, we're coming under the control of the Holy Spirit. Number three, Bear the fruit of Christ in you through his spirit. Understand that this body is to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 8 through 9 says, this is the NIV. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so we bear the fruit of Christ in our bodies through his Holy Spirit. And number four, we, these are things we have to be aware of as we practice temperance and self-control. Number four, prepare now to receive eternal rewards. Number four, understand in our walk in this earth, we will be rewarded for our walk, the deeds done in our body, the words spoken through our mouth. We will be rewarded for the fruit we bear in this body and through this body or not. Or not. Prepare now to receive eternal rewards. Understand that every day our bodies are on this earth. The Holy Spirit wants to use us in such a way that we will ultimately be rewarded. All, all of our rewards are not on this earth. I, I'm telling you they're not, but we will experience them in heaven if we've 
held our bodies with dignity. And we've committed to bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But you have to do that now and not have the attitude, well, you know, I, I've lived my life. I don't know what will happen on the other side. No, we very intentionally walk and talk and act on this side of eternity with the understanding we will be rewarded on the other side. In fact, y'all, do you realize we're not going to be judged for sin on the other side? It's the unbeliever who is judged for sin. We're, we stand before God to be rewarded. And how we walk and conduct our lives in the earth will determine our reward in eternity. So there is a reward for allowing the Holy Spirit to develop his fruit in our lives and in our heart. And what is that fruit? It's the fruit of love with all its many expressions and God will reward us in eternity. Hebrews eleven twenty six, in the new century version, speaking of Joseph, he thought it was better to suffer for the Christ than to have all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking for Christ's reward. Church, we need to have that kind of vision that we also, every day, if you make a sacrifice, look for Christ's reward. If you return good to someone who has done evil to you, I'm telling you, you're going to be rewarded in eternity. Have you been going through something and yet you've endured and you've kept responding in the spirit through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, it's been tough for you, but God has helped you. I'm telling you, there is an eternal reward for you. Can you say amen? There's also an air conditioning vent that's blowing right on me. I don't know exactly where it is, but please lift your hands before the Lord. And Father, we just want to worship you. We're so grateful. We have so much gratitude in our heart that you would speak your word to us and that you would reveal the importance of allowing the Holy Spirit to bring us out of all unruliness, Father. All turmoil and turbulence and disobedience, Father. This is not profitable for us. We just bring our hearts before the throne of heaven. All our dissatisfactions, all our struggles, inner struggles, all of our waywardness. And we just come before the throne of grace and mercy in the time of need. And we bring our hearts before you. And Father, we say, forgive us. For all unruliness, whatever expression it has taken, however it is, has manifested itself, 
We ask you to forgive us. We turn from it, Father. This is not what we want in our hearts. Cleanse our hearts, O God. Cleanse our hearts through the precious blood of Jesus. Father, we just ask you to do a supernatural work of developing us in the love of God. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love. The fruit of temperance, of self-control, Father. Oh, Lord, we would walk out of everything that is contrary to your love and come into your the marvelous light of the love of God. Father, our heart's cry is to grow up as Christians. Grow up in the love of God. Possess our hearts, O oh God. Possess the affections of our hearts. And Father, we just Ask for a mighty work of the Holy Spirit, developing us, training us, teaching us the love of God. Father, we thank you that you enable us to turn from all unruliness and change the desires of our hearts so that we're no longer even attracted to the things of this world. And Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are good and you've called us to your goodness. You've called us to your light. You've called us to walk in your love. And we just thank you for such an outpouring of your Holy Spirit that we've never experienced before. An outpouring, Father, that is absolutely transformative. And Lord, we thank you for it. Let today be a turning point in each one of our lives, Father, as we submit to the love of God. And everyone who agrees with this prayer says, Amen. And amen. Can you just give the Lord thanksgiving? We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for giving us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And we, well, let's just thank him a bit more. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We don't want to cut short our thanksgiving. Lord, you are good. You're good. You're good. You're our helper. You're our sustainer. We're so grateful to you in the name of Jesus. Would you say with me, I'll never be the same? In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Joseph. Joseph.